This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor David Kogel. I hope you all have enjoyed the teachings on the valleys. Last time I taught, we had the Valley of Gehenna. And I hope you remember some things about these valleys as we go along. It really uh, teaches me some things that I didn't realize were pertaining to a lot of these valleys. I find it very interesting. Now, the Valley of Gehenna, as you remember, it was a valley that uh, not a very pleasant travel through that valley. That valley, of course, was where they decided to do idol worship, really, and they offered their children uh, through the fire to that god Moloch in that in that particular valley. So it uh, it was definitely something that was uh, God was really displeased with. In fact, he uh, told them afterwards that he would, uh, because of what they did, that they would go into seventy more years of exile before they could go back into uh, to Israel there and rebuild. So. They, they were definitely um, told that they, what they did was wrong. And, and so that valley also became a valley of, because of it, I would say it's almost like a cursed valley at that point, where they would use it, where a fire was burning continually in that valley, putting dead bodies of people, animals, criminals, all sorts of things, being placed in that valley for destruction. And because of that, the, that valley really became an everlasting burning rubbish heap is what it amounted to. And that, you know, with that kind of stuff in there, it really became symbolic as I studied more in that. An everlasting fire, the worms, the, the, everything in there that... Uh, that was involved with all that stuff, what, is it, what does it bring back to our minds? And that's hell fire. So it's kind of like symbolic to, to the hell fire that we think we know and read about in the Bible today. And uh, where it says the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. So that valley was certainly a terrible place uh, of remembrance of what they did. And so... Uh, I think that many times uh, it's used as a synonym for hell and that particular thing there. So uh, we talked about how important it is for us to remind people that there is a hell. You know, a lot of people like to know there is a heaven. That's good to talk about. And I love talking about heaven, but if we're going to be honest, we have to talk about hell as well and let people know that's a place we don't want any of our loved ones to go there or, or any people that we uh, is on the earth. So um, we get today to the Valley of Giar. Uh, the Valley of Giar is a place that uh, is very interesting, and we'll find out some stories about this valley today as we walk through this particular valley, and you have the picture of it there as well. So I hope they're able to get some of these scriptures uh, on the screen. Okay, good. Uh, the Valley of Giar is a meaning of that valley as a region or a 
lodging place. It became a lodging place. It became a place to settle down. It became a place to live in because of what it was, what, what was there. But before we get to living there in that valley, there is also a city named Giar. And that city, Giar, is not far from the valley of Giar. We find the inhabitants that are living in that valley also in the city. It's going to be, play a part of that as well. So this very ancient town, it's on the south border of Israel, and it was ruled by a king named Abimelech. Abimelech was the king of the Philistines, and we know the Philistines people, we, we read of them often in the, in the Bible and always having trouble with these fellows, always battling with the Philistines. And uh, <clears throat> so the name Giar is applied only once in the Bible to a city. And very close in the map to Canaan, you can see that Canaan land as well. But Genesis 10, 19, I like to, to bring out the Scriptures because I don't want you to think I just came up with these ideas of where the city is or the valleys are. So I'll try to give you Scriptures so that you can actually see that. So Genesis 10, 19, and the border of the Canaanites was from Sidon, and thou comest to Gier, unto Gaza, as thou goest unto Sodom and Gomorrah, and Adma, and Zeboim, and even Lasha. So we're familiar with Sodom and Gomorrah. We know what happened there. But as you're going through this area and headed to these other areas, you see that uh, as well. So <clears throat> this coming to Giar is where we're at today. Now let's um, look at Genesis chapter 20, and we'll be in there in just for a while. And we want to move from there on into Genesis some more. But Genesis chapter 20 and verse number 1. <clears throat> and we're discussing two patriarchs here. We're discussing Abraham <clears throat> and we're discussing Isaac. Now, Abraham, let's talk about him first as involved with this Giard. Abraham, verse 1, says, journeyed from thence toward the south country and dwelleth in Kadesh and Shur, and then so journeyed into Gear. So we find that as he took this journey here, perhaps Isaac was born in this area as well. Uh, but we find that both of these are guilty of a sin that they both committed. They both did. It's, it's really uh, kind of that saying where the apple doesn't fall, fall, fall from the tree. The, the, the son, the father, and it just, uh, the sin, of course, as you study in the Bible, and we'll look at it today, is denying their wives, and both of them entered into a treaty with this king. And so neither, neither thing was pleasant to God. They, they, they did not want to uh, admit that this was their wife. Why did they come up with that? Why did they do that? Well, we'll discuss that, and we'll talk about Abraham first. 
So we're in Genesis 20, and let's continue starting again at verse 1, and then we'll go on down from there, verse 2. So he journeyed from thence, and he came there. And Abraham said, you can go ahead, Abraham said, of Sarah his wife, she is my sister. So this is his saying. This is what he's come up with. And Abimelech, who we've talked about, is the king there, king of Gr, sent and took Sarah. So God came, but God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said unto him, Behold, thou art a dead man. Boy, what a, what a wake-up call, amen? <laughs> I mean, to get that kind of news from God isn't very good, is it? But he had, he had done something, and we'll look at his innocence in it as well. But he said, Behold, thou art a dead man. Why? For the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. So he, is, he has taken her, and that just, that just means right now that he has come, he has sent somebody and said, Yeah, I want her. Go pick her up. Bring her here. She's going to become uh, mine. So uh, the Lord woke him up in a dream and told him about this. <clears throat> because you can see here, Abimelech had not come near her. So it wasn't like he had already had some kind of physical thing with her. He had just had her picked up, had her brought there, and hadn't, hadn't had that close relationship with her. And good thing that he didn't really. And he said, Lord... Wilt thou slay also a righteous nation? So because of the message that he received, he's thinking, uh-oh, this, this, this is going to be not only me, but everybody else. In verse 5. <clears throat> huh? The computer froze. All right, well, we'll, we'll go. <laughs> you can turn in your Bible to, if you can, and follow along. That happens. Verse 6, God said unto him in a dream, Yea, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart. For I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore suffer I thee not to touch her. So in the integrity of his heart means I saw nothing wrong with it. I mean, I was told that that's his sister. She's a beautiful woman. She's a woman that I want with me. So in the integrity of my heart, there's no, no problem there. So as far as I'm concerned, I, I don't feel like I should be getting this message from God that says, hey, you're going to be a dead man. Your life's going to end. So he says, you know, he, he has not done anything. He's not touched her. Verse 7, now therefore restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet, and he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. Boy, that, that was some good news. And if thou restore her not, know that thou surely uh, shalt surely die, thou and all thine household as well. This is what he's talking about. So, you know, the good news is you can restore her back to him. He's a prophet. He'll pray for you. Everything will be okay. But it's your choice. If you choose not to do that, and I'm going to carry out what I told you, you're going to die. And not only are you going to die, 
but everyone around with you is going to die in your family and probably whoever else is close to him as well. I can imagine how much sleep that man got that night after that message. He probably couldn't wait till the morning. Couldn't wait to get going. So we, say in, we see in verse number 8, Therefore Abimelech rose early in the morning, and he called all of his servants and told them all these things in their ears, and the men were sore afraid. Just standing there hearing what has already God has told him, what's going to happen to him and all them around him, if he does not restore this woman back to her husband. And so they, they are really uh, shook up over the news that they're hearing. Verse 9, Then Abimelech called Abraham and said unto him, What hast thou done unto us? And what have, and what have I offended thee, that thou hast brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin? Thou hast done deeds unto me that ought not to be done. So he basically comes to him and says, listen, I don't know why you did this to me. I don't know why you lied about it. I don't know why even you let me take her because these things are not going to end good and you should not have done that. And so he is certainly wanting to get this thing straight and he calls it a great sin that he has brought on his kingdom. So, verse 10, Abimelech said unto Abraham, What sawest thou that thou hast done this thing? So let's get down to the very reason why you came up with this thing of going to your wife and saying, Now listen, this is the story. You're my sister, not my wife. And I'm going to let this king come and take you. So he says, Why, why have you come up with this? Why is this being done. And the reason is verse 11. Abraham said, because I thought surely the fear of God is not in this place and they will slay me for my wife's sake. Interesting response, isn't it? The fear of God is not in this place. God's not in this whole situation around here. And for my wife's sake, evidently, He's thinking, hey, I'm not going to live. They're going to take you anyway because of your beauty and because they, they want to keep you, but they're they going to just do away with me. So this is the whole reason that he's come up with this scheme. Verse 12, And yet indeed she is my sister. She is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. So it's kind of like a half, half lie, half truth here. So he stretched that thing out and made it to be what he felt like would help him out. In verse 13, And it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house, that I said unto her, This is thy kindness which thou shalt show unto me. At every place, whether we come, say of me, He is my brother. So he basically is saying, this, this is what you ought to be doing for me. This is the kindness that you should be showing me, is that you just need to say this every time we come, go anywhere, or do anything, that you are my sister. So Abimelech, on top of making the trip, 
and wanting to get this thing straight just by conversation, he comes with gifts as well. He's going to pile it on because he wants to make sure that everything's going to be straight. So Abimelech took sheep and oxen and men servants and women servants and gave them unto Abraham and restored him Sarah his wife. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before thee. Dwell where it pleaseth thee. So he has really opened up the red carpet for him on top of bringing his wife back. He's saying, Here's your wife. Here's the men servants, maid servants, his livestock. And not only that, but take a look at this land right here. You go ahead and pick wherever you'd like to go and, and reside. You're welcome to do that. You know, Abraham's probably just sitting back saying, boy, this worked out better than I thought it would work out. Not only am I going to live, but I'm going to be blessed with these other things as well. Verse 16, and unto Sarah he said, Behold, I have given thy brother a thousand pieces of silver. Behold, he is to thee a covering of the eyes unto all that are with thee, and with all other Thus she was reproved. So he's saying she, she's, she's an easy thing to look at. She looks nice. She's wonderful. She's beautiful. And she's, she's, yours. she's back to, with you where she belongs now. And I, I don't, I'm not going to have anything to do with her. So Abraham prayed unto God, and God healed. And look at the wonderful blessing that returned here. He prayed unto God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maidservants, and they bare children. For the Lord had fast closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Wow. Because of the situation, things had already been changed around there, and he not only restored her, and not only Abraham uh, accepted those things, but you remember back when God told him, he said, he said Abraham is, going, is a prophet, and he's going to pray for you. And he did. And he prayed, and God healed his wife and healed all of those uh, maidservants that they were able to bear children as well. So, interesting thing happening there with the king of Gear. And we find that uh, as she was returned, uh, things begin to, to be not only blessing Abraham, but blessing Abimelech as well. So we find that after that, this famine is going to strike there in Canaan, and Abraham's son, Isaac, is going to end up fleeing to who? Abimelech again. And so we find that here we go again. So let's go to chapter 26 of Genesis and look at verse number 1 through 11. There was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. Now we find that Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gear. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt but dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee and will bless thee. <clears throat> God often, many times, and we find in the Old Testament, 
whenever we follow the Lord and do what He's asked us to do. Same with it, it was the same thing with the children of Israel. Whenever they followed the Lord and did exactly what He asked them to do, guess what would happen? A blessing from the Lord would come. People want to be blessed today. We want to be blessed in our life. We want to be blessed in our families. We want blessings to come our way. But if we do not follow the Lord, when we read His Word and we realize what we should be doing and not follow Him, we won't receive these blessings. But if we do, I believe the Lord will bless us. He will take care of us. For unto thee and unto thy seed I have given all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. Same oath that he gave to Abraham, he said, I'm going to give it to you as well. And that oath is, I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of the heaven, and will give unto thy seed all these countries, and in all thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Wonderful oath from God. Because why? Abraham obeyed my voice, kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, my laws. And Isaac dwelt in Gear. So he's dwelling in the city of Gear at this point. <clears throat> now, the men of the place asked him of his wife, and here we go again, and said, well, you talking about this beautiful woman right here? She's my sister. For why? He feared to say she is my wife, least said he the men of that place should kill me for Rebekah because she was fair to look upon. Wow. These women must have really been beautiful women that caused this, this stir and, and the lies and what they had to do. <clears throat> so it came to pass when he had been there a long time that Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, looked out at a window and saw, and behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebekah, his wife. So one day, after he'd been there a long time, he's passing by a window and looks at them. Well, man, they don't look like they're getting along like brothers and sisters, really. And that, that word sporting there, Certainly it means that they were having a good time. They were laughing. They were playing. They were actually mocking a little bit, probably. <laughs> All these people think you're my sister, but you're not. I'll reach around there and give her a good old kiss on the cheek or somewhere. And he's thinking, hmm, that looks interesting. I, I, I don't think, I don't think that uh, everything is, is, is right here. So let's look at verse number 10. Well, Amalek called Isaac and said, Behold of a surety, she is thy wife. So he calls him and said, Wait a minute, wait a minute. This, this, no, that's not, it's not right what you're telling me. She's your wife. And how saidest thou she's my sister? And Isaac said unto him, Because I said, Least I die for her. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> sound like the same line that Abraham used, did it? And Abimelech said, What is this that thou hast done unto us? <laughs> He's using the same words he did with Abraham. One of the people might lightly have leaned with thy wife, and thou should have brought, and thou should have brought guiltiness upon us. One of my people could have reached out to her. They could have taken her. They could have done something with her. They could have accepted her as, as fair game. 
Man, glad they didn't again. But he says, because of what they could have done, we would have been hurt. Abimelech charged all his people saying, hey, I'm telling you one thing, and this is truth. You're not to touch this man or his wife. And if you do, you'll surely be put to death. <clears throat> so before we go to verse 12, just want to remind you here that this is what has happened between, uh, between them. And once again, the, the, the lie that we see here, uh, Isaac is true to form. He tries to explain that she is his sister. And that is a lie because Rebecca is the daughter of Isaac's cousin, Bethuel, and a granddaughter of his uncle, Nahor. So we find here that this, this lie is coming, coming out, and, the, and he realizes it before it's too late, and he makes that decree to ever, all of the people there, you don't touch her, and you don't touch him as well. So verse 12, Then Isaac sowed in the land and received the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great. He went forward and grew until he became very great. So the Lord is blessing him. And he's just growing, growing, growing uh, with all of these things around him. He had possession of flocks, possession of herds, a great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. So you remember Bimelech's king of the Philistines. The Philistines are watching all this and they're saying, boy, the Lord's really blessing this man. And in fact, we're, we're starting to wonder why we're not being blessed like him and we envy him. For he had possession of flocks, possession of herds. First, uh, and Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley, you see that, of Gier and dwelt there. So this is where he's moving from the city of Gier and he moves on out down into this valley. The valley... Uh, the picture of it that you see there, it kind of gives you a, a, a I guess, uh, close of a picture as I can of, of the valley, even though it doesn't look really fertile there right now. I do want you to pay attention to the, to the, the, the uh, places that are down inside of that, because that's going to that's gonna really persuade him to say, hey, this is a good place because the rains would come down, and the springs also, and they would flood down through these streams and hollows in this valley. And so, great place for your herds, great place to put crops down, and so it's, it's just a wonderful place to, to start uh, camping there and staying there. So he, he departed, and he went down into this valley here. So, as he goes down into this uh, plain, the south of, of, of Gaza, uh, you got to remember that this became a valley that was traveled by Abraham and uh, both of them uh, being involved in this particular valley as, as well as the king uh, Abimelech having a part in all of this as well. So let's go on down to, uh, let's look at Genesis 26, and, and we'll pick up here at about, uh, well, let's go to verse 18. And this becomes an area 
that as he gets down in here, and because of the wells and the springs, uh, because of the springs and the water, it is a good place to start digging wells. And that's what he does. Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham's father. So back when Abraham dwelt in that valley, he was, of course, found the same thing. Great place to dig wells, have wells. Now, what would the, what would the Philistines do? They, they didn't like it because he was doing these things in that valley. They felt like it's their land. So they would come along and fill in the wells, put all kind of dirt and whatever rubbish they could come up with just to fill it in. And yet, after it's filled in, it's easy to come down through there and see this is a place where, wait a minute, it looks kind of strange here. This stuff piled up here. That, a well was here. And so let's, let's redig this. Let's get that stuff out and, and, and use that well. And that's what he began to do. They had stopped him up. And he called the names after the names by which his father had called them. So Abraham, that's what they would do. They'd dig a well and then they'd have a name for it. Verse 19. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. And the herdsmen of Gear did strive with the herdsmen, or Isaac herdsmen. And that word strive means that they were against, they didn't like it. It, it bothered them. They, they didn't get along with it at all, with him at all. And so what would they do? They say, this, this well is ours. Now, you, I know you redug it again, and, but you can't claim it. It's not yours. And so they would say, it's ours. So he wouldn't put up a fight about it. He'd just move on. The water's ours. We called the name of the well Esek because they strove with him. Verse 21, and they digged another well, and they strove for that also. And he called the name of it Sitna. So same thing. They come to another place with a field all in. Abraham had dug it in the past. They would redig it. Then the Philistines or the herdsmen would come along. That's ah, ours. You can't have it. You can't use it. So he removed from thence and digged another well. For that they strove not. So he finally evidently got farther enough away from them or, or they got tired of it. I don't know what the deal was, but they said, hey, that's yours. You, you can have, we, won't, we won't bother you with that. And he called the name of it Rehoboth. And he said, and this is the meaning of that, for now the Lord hath made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. So that, that name of that well Rehoboth, he just he named it because he said, you know what, the Lord has is, is helped us here now. The Lord's with us. We, we got a good well we can keep, and they're not going to bother us, and so we, we won't be able to dwell here. And he went up from thence to Bathsheba. And the Lord appeared unto him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham thy father, Fear not, for I am with thee, and I will bless thee and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. Goes back to the oath that he made to Abraham, and he's bringing it to, to Isaac, and he's saying, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to fulfill that same oath I told him, I told you, I'm going to do what I said I would do. So we find that he uh, definitely will bless him. He's being blessed. 
The Philistines are envying him, and yet God is blessing and continuing to bless uh, in that area. So let's finish up there in, in Genesis 26 and verse number 24 or 25. He built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. <clears throat> and there Isaac's servants digged a well. Oftentimes when he knew God would, people in the Old Testament knew God was blessing, they would, they would build an altar and sacrifice to the Lord. I think today we need to follow an example of when we know God has blessed us, we need to stop and give him praise. We need to thank him for the blessings that he's bestowed upon us. You know, a lot of people will pray, pray, pray for God to change something, heal something, do something. And when God moves, we just think, well, he answered my prayer. And let's go on down the road. No, stop and give thanks and praise to God for answering that prayer. And really bless his name for that. So he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants digged a well. Then Abimelech went to him from Gear, and Ahuzath, one of his friends, and Phicol, the chief captain of his army. And Isaac said unto them, Wherefore come ye to me, seeing you hate me and have sent me away from you? So Isaac has moved far enough away in the valley, and he's, on, he's, he's doing good on his own. He's got his own wells. The Lord's blessing him. And he's away from the city. He's away from the king. He's not bothering him. And all of a sudden, they show up. And he's thinking, why in the world are you coming and bothering me now? I have done nothing but get away from you and, and I'm just going through what the Lord wants me to do. But notice what, what is being said here. They said, we saw certainly that the Lord was with thee and we said, let there be now an oath betwixt us or between us, even betwixt us and thee and let us make a covenant with thee. So they have not come to do anything harmful to him, but they have come to say, let's just keep, get peace between us. We see the Lord's blessing you, and we don't want any problems to do with that. That thou wilt not, will do us no hurt as we have not touched thee, and as we have done unto thee nothing but good, and have sent thee away in peace, thou art now the blessed of the Lord. So he's reminding him that you, <laughs> I didn't get tangled up with that with your, with your wife. I gave her back. No, no harm, no foul. We took care of all of that. I brought, you know, everything's, everything's good here. And he made them a feast and did eat and drink. And they rose up betimes in the morning and swear one to another. And Isaac sent them away and they departed from him in peace. So everything's good. Came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him concerning the well which they had digged and said unto him, we have found water. It was always a good thing when they had come up with that. And we find here, and he called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba unto this day. That was something I didn't really had seen before. 
often heard of Beersheba, but where did they come up with that? And it's interesting because they dig that well and call it Sheba, then the name of the Beersheba. Now Esau was 40 years old when he took his wife Judith and the daughter of Berah and the Hittite and the Bashamath, the daughter of Elon and the Hittite, which were grief of mine unto Isaac and to Rebekah. So as we close out that chapter, I want you just wanted you to see that the time that they passed from the city of Gier down into the valley of Gier, and the valley of Gier was a, a great place to stay. And everything worked out good there in, in, at the end of this chapter. The Lord blessed him, and the Lord multiplied the things that he, that he had, and uh, everything was returned like it should have been returned. So, you know, it kind of reminds me today, even when we sin, and we all sin, I'm glad we can go to the Lord and confess that sin, get that straight, and the Lord will turn around and not hold it against us. But He will forgive that sin, the Bible says, and then on top of that, He will bless us. So, what a great, a great thing to do is get the sin out of the way so that we can continue to receive the blessings of the Lord. There are people today who have come on some times in their life and they wonder why they're not being blessed like they used to be blessed. Things are not happening like it used to happen for them. Well, always go back and take a look a little bit at your life and say, wait a minute, let me go back and see if there's a place I messed up here. And most time we don't have to think very hard or very long for we realize there is something in there that needs to be under the blood. And if we'll get that taken care of, then the Lord can move again in our life. So it's very important that they do that. Well, I hope you enjoyed the Valley of Gear and the, and the uh, behind it, the things that happened in there. And so it's very interesting to see how God worked in all those situations as well. Amen? You listen to Pastor David Kogel. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.